0: Hey, this is Daley Johnson, producer and editor of How Art is Born. We hope you've been enjoying the conversations we've had thus far in Season 2. Before we get started, please be aware that this episode of How Art is Born contains explicit content, including language that some may find offensive. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Sebastian Jones. Welcome to How Art is Born, a podcast from the Museum of Contemporary Art, Denver, about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practices. I'm your host, R. Alan Brooks, artist, writer, and professor. Today, I'm joined by Los Angeles-based publisher, writer, teacher, founder, and president of Stranger Comics, Sebastian Jones. Say hello.
1: Hello, hello, everybody. Hello, Denver. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, hey, man, I want to start this out. So, like, uh, in 2017, I decided that I was going to uh, leave my insurance job and... Mm. Um, and go full-time in comics, and I had no foundation, anything, and I I had rapped for years, so I was thinking, okay, with the charisma and hustle that it takes to be an MC, looking at all these other comics creators, like, I'm definitely going to be able to stand out, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I came at it really hard, and then I met this motherfucker with (laughs) 10 times the charisma and 10 times the hustle of anything, (laughs) you know, it it actually was very inspiring to meet you, man, Um, just to Mm -hmm. see how you handle all your stuff. But also it was like, wow, man, all right. Cause uh, the, few that I, the few things that I had done before I saw you do your thing, I was already standing out. And then to see it like happen on another level, I was like, yo, these are possibilities out here, man. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> uh, yeah, man, so do you, uh, I guess, want to talk a little about like how you sort of formed the way that you approach comics as a business
1: you want like the trade seat trade secret hustles (laughs) right right? how to get charisma like no i um behind the curtain The behind the curtain that sounds like it could be really naughty um (laughs) so how do i how to approach it as a business well i think i think for me it initially came down to the content um the kind of the kind of content that i wanted to create would Essentially, uh, dictate the audience that would come rather than catering to an audience I'm trying to please. And I think a lot of times, um, especially now, you know, we talk about this shit as old bastards, you know, especially yeah. now, it's like, oh, most people are trying to catch a trend. And by the time that you've caught up the trend, it's moved on to something else, you know, like, oh, that's a hashtag. And now there's a new hashtag and, and, and so forth. So,
0: yeah.
1: so for me, I was like, I, I even this is many, many years ago. I started Stranger Comics with 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 the guys back around two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And then even with this, even if I started now, I think just philosophically, you take the same kind of um, approach mm-hmm. on how to build a brand that, if it does not succeed, at least you can say. you you know it nourished your soul along the way it nourished your you know you you held firm with your own integrity and kind of put out the material that you wanted so there isn't such a thing as a failure you might not have a movie you might not be a bestseller but if you can make a decent living or you can pay some bills um and make some folks happy then with within the the almost uncompromising vision that you have well then cool you've done something right Mm -hmm. Um, you've kind of figured it out so for me it was like okay um how can i tell stories that essentially um you know celebrate the ceremony of black culture yet um within the stories create a a deeply kind of human global experience mm-hmm. so you've got these you, you know so that's just essentially some foundation um, yeah. relatable themes relatable stories but then the backdrop is fantasy and this is this world i've created and you know um so it honestly bro it was just it was it was born out of me wanting to reflect my own vulnerabilities hmm. Uh, my insecurities my guilt and my wrath and <laughs> uh and and try and and then if a reader could read this shit they could then maybe put themselves in and be really honest and naked with it maybe the reader can then put themselves in those shoes and yeah. then connect with the story and then maybe me as a writer but i, I don't think i even thought that far ahead to be honest hmm.
0: you know i think there's something really dope to be said about um expressing something purely from your spirit not not trying to like read the market or predict what's going to be popular but then also uh deciding what your definition is of success right because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. so many people seem to be chasing after this uh intangible like when i get published that's it or uh you know like th- there's no real clear right. goals and, and so many of the goals that people think they're chasing for they find you know you look at them and you find out that they're empty like there' are plenty of people who are published who are not working full time mm. in what it is that they want to do uh, like so for me i one of the first things I did was move out of my house, move mm. into some place reduced all my expenses, and then gave myself a, a certain amount of time to generate x amount of income to be able to support you know and then basically I mean really treated it like a business. Mm. Mm. And I see so much of that with you. So once you got past the point of um, creating the mm-hmm. stories that were important to you, then what, what was what was the next step?
1: Um, whoa! One of the thing the things that once I kind of uh, got past the stories, what was important, essentially, is um, how to how to make enough money to get to the next story. I guess. Yeah um now in the early days creating the story was what was the most important thing so even before we started stranger comics we had shopped around our our comic books to some of the publishers mm-hmm. and the majority uh, some were cool some were not as cool yeah um some were dickheads, and yeah. some were vapid and some were predatory yeah. and um and when you ha- when you present i think and you i'm sure you know you you know this when you present anything that is other right yeah. oh it's fa- it's fa- fantasy or oh it's black or oh it's female or oh it's this mm-hmm. therefore there comes that becomes a um that becomes the the statement right as opposed to potentially the story right and so i was like they were like oh you know some of them were like oh this will look good during black history month announcements i'm like yeah no, I, I fuck you know, and I run a record label for a few years, and I had, I didn't want to do another run another company. It was exhausting, but it was like, oh, to protect the integrity of what this is, I've got to start another company just to protect um, these characters and mm. um, and the in the interpersonal relationships that they're going to experience on multiple multiple levels, mm. um, and these are super personal to me. Um, so once, once that happened, we started Stranger Comics with those intentions, we did not really know what the fuck we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we spread ourselves too thin on trying to do, do too many comics too soon. You know That was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, but within that framework, still come back to the story. Like, how does one make money? Is it in a comic shop? Is it at a convention? Right. And, and it was a, just really learning on the job. Now, Josh, our editor in chief, he had some experience at Top Cow for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but still we were still as a team very green. Huh. And so so there's a lot of trial by error. And I think, you know, it's funny when you when you listen to those documentaries of like hip hop artists that are big and famous and were like, yeah, I perform for two people in a garage. Right. Right. So we did um a bunch of conventions that weren't conventions like here's a dungeons and dragons event in a in a shed (laughs) do you know what i mean like a glorified shed right um and here i am with a comic book and people are like looking at this shit going i don't care about that i've got my fifth level ranger you you know (laughs) and um and it would like to talk about their fifth level ranger far more than the story so I think the, the the grind was the grind of hitting every kind of basis we could f- to make an income mm-hmm. taught us how to make an income. Oh,
0: That's interesting, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I had sort of a similar thing where I was, uh, initially hitting up all the publishers, like going, I go on to every con, like New York, San Diego, Phoenix, whatever. And um, right. to the point where they knew me um, mm-hmm. and they were like, wow, what you're doing is impressive, blah, blah, blah. But then either nothing or uh, offering me deals that were not better than I could do on my own, right. you know? Um, and, you know, like uh, even at this point, like, you know, we've talked about me having done that uh, Ted talk that, mm. you know, is was a million and a half views, where I talk about my book and still publishers are continuing to shrug at me. Right. So it makes me say, okay, well, um, how do I continue to um, step over the gatekeepers and create something that is meaningful to me mm-hmm. and engaging to the people who follow it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of brings me to another thing that I've seen you do very well, which is you engender a lot of loyalty amongst the people who support your work. And um, I-, I would love if you talk a little bit about how that comes to be and what you think of it.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's um, I mean the way I look at it is if someone is going to dare to spend four dollars on me, mm-hmm. that's their hard-earned money. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if that's their hard-earned money, if you're at a convention and someone comes to a convention and they come with the conven- they come to the convention with a hundred dollars to spend, they going- they want to get a Chris insert last name signature. Or- and suddenly, if they walk past my booth and I'm, I'm pretty good at selling um, yeah. and convincing people to buy stuff, you know, and the art is great, mm-hmm. that they'll go, well, shit, I might want to get this, but now I can't get the signature. So it, it really, it's on me. It's my responsibility to, to give them, to give them material really truly who I am. And then if I interact with them, let them know who I truly am and, and be vulnerable. Right. Um, and I think at times that can kind of conflict with the kind of concept now that everyone's runs into self love to such a degree. I think people then become closed off or selfish, hmm. um, rather than selfless. So, you know, you, so I think, you know, when people see that, and they read the kind of stories and these characters are very, very vulnerable. They're very honest with all the various emotions that mm-hmm. they can relate to that. Then they, when if I'm talking, they can relate to me. And and the last thing I'll say is on that note is, look, we're, we're independent and we're competing with billion dollar corporations. Right. If you're a fan, you don't have to go, well, he's indie. So I guess it isn't going to be as no (laughs) the fan that's their hard earned money they get to choose whatever they want so I also believe that it's my responsibility to my craft and to someone that is gonna um, risk the four dollars or the bundle deals or the hardcovers and so on um, to make sure the quality is as on par you know and if my ego allowed me to say my shit's fucking great Right and I, and and like if someone comes with me and they go whoop I I stand by the quality and I'm like yeah you you won't fucking find this shit anywhere else it, <laughs> I'll never say that you know unless I'm on a podcast in a minute <laughs> Well this is the behind the curtain right we talked about there you it. go yeah we sneak yeah. behind there <laughs> you know, I see the size of my ego <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: You know I think about um I often think like I, I love superhero comics I love Marvel and DC oh. I grew up with it. But Same. I often think of them as uh, like Burger King and McDonald's, right? There's not a single person that thinks that McDonald's makes a better burger than a restaurant down the street, mm-hmm. right? Like um, you don't go to them for the mo- the highest quality. You go to them for familiarity, for like, um, you know, inexpensive food, that kind of thing. Um, but when you want something more refined, mm-hmm. you go to sort of the the smaller places. And, and I think that there's a lot for an indie artist to focus on so for me i try to focus on like what makes the book nicer is it embossed does the paper feel nicer is the art more quality because we're not we're not crapping out books once a month you know we're trying to um right trying to craft something
1: it's a different business model yeah yeah But i think to your analogy that there is truth to that but however they've got the pockets to pay Uh for the best artists in the world Uh uh-huh And art is the love at first sight, right? So when it's to a booth, the first thing they see is the quality of the art. If the quality of the art is deemed not at the level that they're used to, then they're going to keep walking unless they get to meet you, the creator, and you get to help sell your story. And they go, you know what, I like that guy. Or, oh, my God, that story intrigues me.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: but I, I believe that, you know, the general populace is desensitized. They're desensitized to the high-end quality. They're spoiled with the high-end quality, and they're also distracted. They're distracted with um, farm apps and filters, <laughs> right. and you know, and auto-tune and fucking all this shit is just all like kind of just like this uh, cacophony of entertainment. Right. And how do so you go? All right, bet. Well, I've got the art. And I'm gonna make sure that if someone walks past the booth, they're gonna be like, "Yo, that's some dope shit," or "That's intriguing," or "Hmm, I didn't see that," or "Oh, that stands out," or it doesn't stand out. It's just as good as everything else. Mm. Cool, the art has that level. But then, if you're then if you can get past that initial, um, you can get past that initial date, so that initial flirting across the room. <laughs> then you come into my into my lair. You know, then you come into into. Um, into the realm of opportunity and possibility, where I get to engage with you, hmm. and and also say, yeah, I'm essentially like you, I'm a you know, regular dude that wears a t-shirt. And um, but here is why then I want to share with you the whereas the machine now, there are fucking great writers of the big two, no doubt. But what we have the benefit of as independent is. Our business model isn't an ocean liner which is unwieldy. We're like a you know, like a fucking like super streamlined s- submarine and shit. Like we can we can move, we can adapt, right. and we can take the time and we can be patient. So with our story, it comes back to the responsibility of the creator that if we have the time, then we better honor the time mm-hmm. that we've spent. Otherwise we're just essentially making a hobby and hoping someone picks it right. up. So if you want to challenge the status quo, you want to challenge, you know, the, um, the desensitizing of what people are receiving. If you want people to go like, look beyond the explosions mm. and the pretty pictures to come to something core and foundational, um, how do you do that? And I believe you can do that with, uh, with story and having a reader go, i can personally relate directly to this Uh, that 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 to me is everything so yes the representation a hundred percent um this is so important to me on you know and try and be as authentic as possible with that Uh, having the experience of cosplayers or people coming to the booth and seeing themselves as our heroes and and sometimes crying and hugging and elders going don't give up and all these various things which are which honestly Hu- is humbling and again it comes back to the responsibility of the craft and the meat you know the, as you as a storyteller like well mm-hmm. shit, i have to honor this i have to honor my own journey and i ha- have to honor the people reading it and you know some of guys might be like that's a preachy shit." <laughs> and i'm like yeah well I, I don't really it's but it's yeah. real because they're also and, and one other thing i'll just say and i'll shut up otherwise i'll just ramble okay. is when people ask me what is the most difficult thing in creating independent comics and uh i'll say it's the time spent honoring that medium um takes time away from people Mm -hmm. i love right my Mm -hmm. families all those types of things however what's harder and more painful is they're taking is taking away their time experiencing with me as I work on my mm. dream. So the knowledge of that going like, Oh, I don't get to spend time with my kid. It's actually deeper. I don't, my kid doesn't spend time with me while I'm what making comic right. books. I could have got a, I've got a lot better financial opportunities. Mm. Um, so well shit, if I'm not going to take those financial opportunities and less time, at that other kind of career to spend time with my son, then what the fuck am mm. I doing? So I better honor this shit in addition to the work itself and the people buying and to all the things comes back around to, I don't do this, like I, don't, I can't wait to be inspired. Right. And this is, um, that's, that's for folks that are looking at time for an out. Mm which I, I, I get to, you know, um, but no, you, you, this is right. it. This is it is it. a Stephen
0: King quote that I'll, I'll uh, mm-hmm. he basically says, uh, amateurs wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and work, you know? Right. And I, and I think that's a real thing. Like inspiration, I think is great for the idea, but the actual execution of the idea that's going to be work and you have to treat it like work and set aside a time to do it and just do that right. shit. Uh, in regards to the stuff around um, your art pulling you away from your family, we also talked about sort of a uh, intangible goals. Is is there like a sort of plateau that you see that you'll reach that will allow you to to spend more of that time, or is this sort of like your lot in life as a creative person? Uh, it's
1: a great it's a great point. Um, you know getting up there in years is yeah i do want to spend time more time with my Mm -hmm. family so i think there's a a financial stability um that needs to happen um excuse me um and in order that to happen need to put in the work um so i think they'll hit a point you know god willing where i'll be able to spend more time enjoying my time um with the creations and with family, and less time worrying about, you know, is it uh, is it X for the cost of the printing of the comic versus right. Y? Oh uh, shit, we better go with X, you know, and an urgency and those types of things. But um, you know, being in the game and having the attrition to get mm. through that, you know, we're 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 inching there. You know, we're we're getting to those yeah. places. Thank thank goodness, but. You know, again, I think in this whole, this whole day and age of people looking for the out or the quick fix or the, you know, the um, the immediacy of new business, which is wonderful in entrepreneurship, but but without the understanding of the attrition. Right. You know, like in the pandemic, everyone started businesses, which is understandable and commendable, but at times I think there's not the realization of cost versus right. income versus the reality of social media paying for your um, for your mm-hmm. business
2: hi this is valerie cassell oliver curator of the exhibition the dirty south contemporary art material culture and the Sonic impulse occupying three floors at mca denver The Dirty South makes visible the roots of Southern hip hop culture and reveals how the aesthetic traditions of the African American South have shaped the visual art and musical expression over the last 100 years. This exhibition features an intergenerational group of artists working in a variety of genres from sculpture to painting and drawing, to photography and film, as well as sound pieces and large scale installation works. Head over to mcadenver.org slash visit and use the code TDS20, that's TDS20 for a 20% discount on general admission for this exhibition, which is on view until February 5th, 2023.
0: All right, so we were talking about um, people being distracted by their devices and apps and all that stuff. And it seems like people largely come to art in order to have some kind of emotional experience, like uh, TV shows, movies, books, whatever it is. Um, And you also talked about sharing your vulnerability in your art. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a really important thing for me as an artist to, to make an emotional connection with whoever is... Reading what I'm writing, so I guess I want to hear a little more about what that means to you to make that emotional connection with the reader, and uh, and to share your vulnerability, like what it is that you're trying
1: to get across. Um, I I guess it's just um, I feel like it's a cathartic release. Mm. I feel it's um, in a lot of respects it's. Um, I'm, sp- I'm mm-hmm. lucky I'm blessed to be able to do it versus I think sometimes people are, uh, other writers I chat to um, they hide their vulnerabilities more within certain characters and some like here is a a representation or a fictitious representation of what I wish I uh, could be yeah. or, you know and, and so on which I you know great writers whatever, whatever works for you right um, for me I think it's just um, no I'm going to rip that fucking scab off and I'm going to show you here's me right. bleeding. Right. Here, here's my, here's my, my, my soul bleeding. And, um, and maybe you can relate as a reader, like, yo, my, so I have bled for the same reasons. I've you know, had a loss. I've had relationship blues. I've had, um, regret. I think a lot, if I would say there's a common theme, um, to maybe just openly talk about it. Is how do you heal? And ha- so, therefore, how do the characters heal? And if you've had some shit happen to you, if you can then go, oh, I can relate to this person. Oh, look, there is a light for them. There is an opportunity for adep- for redemption yeah. and salvation and being better and you know, and being a cool cool badass and whatever along uh, the way. Right. Fine right? The John wiki of it all, or the whoever you're, you're you know, if you're into that dude, you know, or, or whatever whatever right. you're into, right? It was like, you know, the old Samurai right. movies, the Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, and then the Spaghetti Westerns, and all these wonderful things that allow us to like, oh, shit, there is that. I can, I can find mm-hmm. that too. So I think in that, in that, that's healing for me, and I think, and I hope it's healing for a reader. It's like, what would you, how do we fuck with second yeah. chances? We were given a second chance because we were was with regret. Uh-huh. And I have a um, a cheesy line that I wrote in one of the untames. It was like I think I wrote something like, "Regret lingers longer than huh. sin." So if you do the sin, does your regret out outlast the actual right. sin? How long do you continue to beat yourself up and, and, huh. and so on?
0: That's interesting, so. man. Yeah, I think you know. For me, I'm always exploring some version of um, how do I remain open-hearted while still having the strength to do what I need to do in the world? Um, Mm -hmm. And particularly growing up, uh, you know, in Atlanta, sort of like uh, just ideas of black masculinity, uh, being very confining and, you know, deciding like, okay, how can I make sure that I'm still a full human being, but Mm. still able to protect my life and, you know, household, family, et cetera. Uh, right. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a thing that pops up a lot for me. So you and I share uh, the passion of hitting the dance floor at least yeah. uh, several times a week. And uh, <laughs> we, both, uh, we both love dancing to old school music. Um, so for me, if, if, I, if I encounter like a writing problem, like something I can't figure mm-hmm. out, sometimes in the midst of practicing like my Michael Jackson spins, <laughs> the story point will come to me and then i have to like leave the floor and make the note in my phone and then go back to dancing does it mm-hmm. ever happen to you like where things come become clear while you're dancing
1: yeah i can't make the michael jackson spin so no um <laughs> yeah no i um it, not not so much in the dance so that's really interesting because it's such kind of you know good therapy mm-hmm. um the, the release. Um, there's friends of mine had run a club here in for for many many years in mean, leimert park is kind of a famous kind of cultural black mecca here in los angeles and then mm. within the crenshaw area um but but, but music and dancing M- music essentially is the the inspirational foundation for whatever i write that sounds so fucking obnoxious but it's real <laughs> you know yeah. so like even the other day i was um I was listening to like uh, Bowie's albums and the idea of astrally projecting and like, where do your thoughts go and so on? Right. So I start, I was write, writing this one pe- new piece and I was fucking around with the idea of the difference between dreams and worship. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Huh. So, but, but it was just, you know, listen to music usually, and then listening to a lot of and I listen. And I think you probably know this. I listen to a lot of uh, Alice Coltrane and Ferris Sanders. And so that's all this kind of, you know, the idea of how do you connect your spiritual frequency mm. to the universe and other people and all that kind of stuff. So um, everything has a soundtrack, even. So, of course, we do our, as you know, our hip hop homages, yeah. you know, within the comic covers, but OK, so fans of The Untamed that might not know this, the first untamed book is called A Sinner's Prayer. There's a Ray Charles tune called Sinner's Prayer, hmm. Lowell Folsom, but I love I the Ray Charles version. And the second book is called Killing the Untamed Killing Floor, named after Howlin' Wolf's kill, Killing Floor, but also after another blues artist, one of my favorite blues tunes called The Hard Time Killing Floor Blues, which just wrecked me when I first heard it. And the third in the Untamed installment is called Still a Fool, which name is named after my favorite Muddy Water song, Still a Fool. Huh. So this, so when gangster, when was that? Luke Cage has all sorts of yes. hip hop tracks per Gangsta. episode. Yeah, right. For the Untamed, I'd done that like back in 2004 when I wrote the very first ever incarnation of the script. I was like, oh, if ever I get to do this, I'm gonna name each Untamed after a blues tune that has a, a lot of weight and significance because of the pain, I was experiencing and the, the, the connection of the character within the story connects with a character in these blues songs. I was like, that's it. So all these, you know, just, I, I, I love all that shit, man. Like, yeah. you know, music, frequency of spirit, the emotion captured in these moments in time that essentially connects us all, you know.
0: Are you are you listening to those tracks while you're writing or do they just kind of set the tone for you to get into your writing zone?
1: Is some so, sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes it is. They just set the tone. It's like, oh, it's too much. Yeah, too many lyrics. And I'm like, I don't want to I don't want to bite either. I don't like that shit. Uh, yeah. um, so so I'm like, oh, there's maybe a, a thought will mm-hmm. pop in. Like if you were having writer's block and like you, you, you're dancing, like yeah. a thought will pop in or a concept which might not be even in the song at all Mm -hmm. but it's it's adjacent or it takes you astrally projecting like oh astrally projecting that means i'm now you know playing the idea of how to how to how are angels what are they experiencing you know how do they so you can have tangential thoughts from from that but if it's something and sometimes no i'll some music on but mostly it'll be without the lyrics um same same for me
0: actually the funny thing is uh the only time in my life that i listen to drum and bass is when i'm writing okay uh, (laughs) because it occupies the part of my mind that would get distracted uh but without distracting the part that i need so when i do that i can Mm. go into a zone and write for like sometimes like a six to eight hour stretch wow i'm not even like really processing the songs it's just in the background that you know just Mm.
2: for hours
0: and uh yeah so that's that that's my uh that's my little tool for
1: zoning out (laughs) yeah man yeah and and for me it just it it jumps around right so it could be classical it could be punk it could be hip-hop it could be you know and it's something else too also too is i think a lot of times any artist that stays within their own lane for inspiration is kind of doomed to stay within a, a vacuum. Mm. So it's like, I might not generally listen to X or or watch Y,
0: yeah. but
1: I'll appreciate the the greats within their space and go, oh, I, I'm i just learning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you want to draw cartoons, study Da Vinci, right? Right, right. You know, it's just... Um, mm. You know, but you might not want to just draw that, but cool. You know, Um, I think a lot of times they're like for folks are like, oh, I just like anime, but that's all they'll watch. Right. If you no problem. But if you want to write understand how to try and study other types of mediums to learn how just to be a better writer within the medium you enjoy. That's Mm -hmm.
0: all. Yeah, I think that's great, man. It's about a a breath of um, like a breath of. Diversity in terms of what you're feeding yourself. I've been yeah. uh, going through these old Vampirella comics from the seventies. Uh, <laughs> awesome. And I do not, I don't care for the stories, but the the, the artists—they are all these Spanish uh, artists who are doing mm. those, and they're they're incredible, man. Like they're incredible. Like they are—they're mm. like artist artists. They may be some of the best drawn comics, uh, maybe maybe of all time. Certainly. Mm. Um, and they all and all of those artists did romance comics as well. And those right. They, yeah. I'll send you
1: some. Highly emotional. It's highly emotional. It's highly evocative, you know. Yeah. Um I mean it's funny actually, you know we we did this cover um we did a couple of these covers right you can see them on the screen I can send you jpegs. Cuz okay. just the concept of evoking an emotion I was like I this is a story about the creator of the world not wanting to create the world anymore mm-hmm. and passing down the you know passing down her burden of responsibility onto a young Niobe who's like 8 years old. She can't quite tell her everything yet and it, that was kind of a, just a take on the idea of you know the black elders passing down the burden of taking care of our world yeah and and within a, within moments and of braiding hair and i was like oh that would make dope a dope cover and i was like let's do three different artists interpretations of that mm-hmm. and a lot of the guys were like why do three we don't need one of those i'm like no i want to see three hmm. i'd like to see different interpret. so then when our readers come they can feel not just seen Mm -hmm. but heard and other senses are also you know stimulated um the intangibles are stimulated so something that's evocative of an emotion like i could have just gone like yeah cool more action and more this more that but how do i just bring it down into the most quiet quiet moments that and I, i just feel like i'm just a bit of a gateway you know to just go okay here's a seed that's planted step away and then readers can find it and then it's what's really cool is i see then a lot of the a lot of big some of the other comic books then just completely bite it and they've got the billion dollar corporations to promote and go like oh my god that's so good you're the first ever i've never seen that before and i'm like (laughs) cool right you know but if a reader gets it i don't my, sometimes I'm, I'm hurt more so because people haven't got to experience the comics. than my own ego. Like You might like I should as well, but if I've been, that's all I've been at that time, for right. somebody to see something similar, right. similar, um, and <laughs> someone else finds that at a comic shop in a different comic book than, than cool, if I've been that gateway, you know, because uh, the reader doesn't know any the difference. They just see themselves. Right. But my hope is they'll find my story and then wrote because again you can people can buy it and go like oh that's a really good idea let me slap that on the cover but then get into the story and be like it's, it's going to hit only certain levels because you didn't fucking originate you copied right, right. so how's your story is it actually going to copy too <laughs> sometimes it, hey it, well it's, yeah by the way. Sometimes, but then there's layers within what you can copy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I think um, looking at some of the... Uh, so for me, comic book legends, right? Like the difference between a Stanley and a Jack Kirby. Stanley sort of made himself the product. Or even, a, say, a Stanley and a Siegel and Schuster, right? Like uh, he made himself um, the product in such a way that if people tried to imitate what he was doing, um, they couldn't separate him from it. And... Um, it's an interesting thing being sort of a building sort of a cult of personality around the sure. stuff that you create. And, you know, I know that people follow your personality in a really strong way. Um, so like, I don't know, is, is that by design? Is that another way to engage people? Do you, cause for me, I, I do okay at it. You know, I'm doing, I'm all right at it, but I, I I'm fundamentally an introvert. So if I could figure out how to bank this shit, I would, I would, I would do that in a heartbeat.
1: Sure. The only way I know to do it is to like, put myself forward right i think it's never by design i don't i don't know if i i know i couldn't do it another way hmm. um because i would just feel like i'm um fake I'm, I'm being a fraud yeah so um but i do but i will be honest it's like you know when i'm it's another aspect of your my personality right which is like big on a show, you want to like, oh, my God, and I'm psyched to see people and I'm in them and it's like, right. oh, my God, blah, you know, and then after I'm like, I don't I, I'm dead. Right. I just don't want to see anybody. I just want to flop on a couch and watch right. freaking 80s murder mysteries at a Campion, you know, like, you know, like twitching curtain 80s English murder mysteries that are just kind <laughs> of bland. Right. And I can just do nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but it's not it's inherently a huge part of me and there's a i wouldn't say a performative part mm. but there is entertainment that okay if you've you've been a you know you've wrapped it's like yeah you're when you're on stage you're giving your energy so people give their energy back as soon mm. as you have this energy exchange that's real it's not right. fake. so that's again just you're an introvert mm-hmm. but you understand what it is to give your energy to people and then receive it and the more you receive it the more then you're like you're then I think that's why a rock star to a pastor in a church right there's this flowing energy that's going to one source one conduit I should say it still might go to the source but the conduit is this one person on stage and that person then feeds off that energy. right so i think on a much smaller level (laughs) um people if i'm going to give my energy to people and they feed off it they're going to bring it back in kind and then um that that that's really yeah i just i part of me yes definitely fantasizes about we're successful I will be Howard Hughes and that shit. <laughs> right. No one will ever see me again. Like, remember that English guy is a bit crazy. Yeah. Do you see, do you ever see him at a convention? Yeah. I bought everything. I, right. I can't find him. I want to give it back. No, I don't You know, like, <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, hmm. that is the balance too. I have a son. I, you know, being so vulnerable allows some people to be like, you know, they go on the attack or whatever. Uh, yeah. And, and, um, or or can then judge or whatever and um but for the most part i've had you know i've had very positive experiences there's been yeah. some there's been some negative but mm. I, I don't give a fuck to be honest <laughs> i don't
0: yeah yeah i mean after i passed through the threshold of a uh, death threats over a comic i was just kind of like eh. same i've had them I mean, too
1: it's yeah. adorable
0: Right now, like, in the moment, it wasn't, like, I couldn't check it off immediately. Like It was, mm-hmm. like, for me, Christmas Day, you know? And I was like, really? Go open a present, motherfucker. Why are you sending me this? But, mm-hmm. it, but ultimately, like, the decisions to go move forward in the midst of such a ridiculous opposition uh, it eventually gets me to the point where I'm like, all right, well, this is important enough to me that I'm not going to stop no matter what that is, you know? Right,
1: yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I've had a lot of stuff. Hmm it's um yeah sometimes it's um i think sometimes it's hurtful depending on what it is if it's an out and out attack yeah then it's not hurtful it's just it makes you angry you know um or oh that's that's beautiful that's some that's really sweet you you have and you're antiquated you're just (laughs) struggling with your antiquation that's cool you know um i can't even be mad at it. i just almost kind of want i just pat someone on the head and go hmm. good no i just w- wish you the best of luck right you know and for folks that also inherently want to might see my shit and might think they might not vibe with it a lot of times i seek them out at conventions hmm. where if they walk past the booth and they're wearing things that might you would assume not Vibe with right. the stuff, I'll run out and be like, Hey, what's up, my guy? You love this. Shit. Full forces of representation. It's the first black, this and the other. Come and check it out. Ah. And they go, Uh, okay. You know, you almost don't give them an excuse to leave. And then they'll come over and I'll go, It's about a man who's stuck in purgatory seven days for seven souls. And they start telling the story. And they're like, Oh, shit, that's a good story. What do you think, honey? And the family's like, Oh, no. Uh, we're usually like against these kind of people, you know, like the story's <laughs> good, you know and and the guy buys it right i've had instances where literally folks will have messaged me and said you stopping me has changed my perspective on this app." you know without again going going down the rabbit hole of that but i've got it's been like you know if it was on the street it would be a different story right right um and I've I've evolved as a person, too. You know, you, you want to you you hope that you can give folks the opportunity through your stories to um, if they they live this kind of narrow perspective. Maybe you can plant seeds as well. That will open some minds or if yeah. not, then they're kids. And and if not, that's cool, too, because you don't have to fucking teach everybody. Huh. And who the fuck am I to teach anyway? Uh, so that's always comes back to like, who the fuck am I anyway? So. Yes.
0: By the way, Uh, I I love that as uh, the pull quote for this interview. Like, you don't have to fucking teach everybody, Sebastian. (laughs) (laughs) MCA Denver at the Holiday Theater is a hub for the arts located in this historic 400-seat theater. We aim to realize one-of-a-kind creative experiences for audiences that spark curiosity, challenge conventions, inspire, and delight. Visit mcadenver.org to learn more about the robust schedule of museum driven and collaborative programming. <laughs> All right, my man. So uh, in the last couple of years, you've made some moves. And I, yeah. I, I, uh, I know that some of them you could talk about some of them you're not ready to talk about. So talk about the ones you're ready to talk about.
1: Okay, yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, the stuff that I can talk about is um, there is a um, there's a TV show on HBO called Insecure, and uh, I met the, the showrunner, Prentice Penny, um, working in development on our fantasy stuff at HBO. That's the stuff I can't talk about. Um, yeah. The stuff I can talk about is Prentice and I formed a company um, end of last year, a, a publishing company slash, I guess, kind of production-y type company, but a publishing company um, that will uh, work primarily with, um, you know, BIPOC, if that's how you say it. I'm terrible with shit like that, but but you know, people of color, and indigenous, yeah. and black, and so all, all the all the good things, you know, all the all the things, you know, um, the creators and creations, um, in a very kind of um, honest and uh, rooted kind of way, and uh, so that's been that's been a huge blessing um, to work with him. He's he's fantastic um super humbling hmm. to work with someone as successful and prolific and nice because uh, I've had a quite a few Hollywood experiences over the years and not everyone's nice hmm. um some are they think they are or they try to be um, right. but but can't help themselves and some are lovely and some are just yeah some are they well, um <laughs> to focus on the good so yeah I'm with uh, we have a great company and um Starting very very small, very like, you know, he's super busy, and our bandwidth isn't. You know, we're we're an independent, so the product, the con, the comics and stuff that we're in development on, it. The same way I approach everything at Stranger Comics is how we approach in this company. It's always it's all about the intention of the intention of quality, for for us as creators and for but more important the creation intention of quality for the creation. Whatever is best for the project is um, is that, and then hopefully that dictates, as per usual, dictates our audience. And our audience comes and goes. Yeah, that's fucking great. I'm in, or I hate oh, it. Yeah. Cool. I, I don't really care. Dictate <laughs> your audience. Yeah, I'll I'll leave with I'll say this. Uh, when I was young, I would I would go to a club and the DJ would play what he wanted to play, and so we came. We're like, oh, cool. That's nothing but nineties hip hop, jazz, funk, OG shit like raw fucking heavy stanky funk that most people like go I think I heard that in a sample. I was in heaven. That for me was everything. Yeah. The older DJ got I went to a club and he was playing a bit of reggae, a bit of jazz, a bit of funk, a bit of hip hop, bit of contemporary modern hip well, I wouldn't say hip hop, contemporary modern stuff that has rapping in it. <laughs> um, and um and I was like I was like dude what why what, what's going on and he's like oh you know well look at the club it's diverse i got to play a little bit so everyone's happy yeah and i thought that reminds me of a lot of artists that want to make sure they stay with the times versus right and, and, and no knock on that no knock on what he's doing That's a job it's a gig you pay your bills i don't knock the selling out shit i never knock anyone i just don't believe in it you don't yeah. know what some of the fuck is going through family kids paying your bills eating food basics um it's easy to again judge, but um for, for me i was like i i hope that i and my mind or spirit never plays in that kind of way that i'd like to maintain um the purity of intention with the shit and dictate i just want to dictate my audience rather than try and please everybody i to me, there's no fucking way that's, that's who I am as a person. Huh. Um, you
0: know. I love it. I love it. Okay, so in terms of wrapping up, man, yep. uh, a couple of weeks ago, I discovered that Lonnie Anderson and Linda Carter had a TV show in the 80s
2: mm-hmm. where
0: they played detectives. I, yeah, and I was like, what? It's called Partners in Crime, and it's all on YouTube, and I've been watching the hell out of that
1: holy so. shit yeah send me send me that link that sounds fascinating i'm I'm, <laughs> right. I'm there
0: so uh what is uh what's your geeky pleasure right now like you were talking about how you would uh decompress to uh old british mysteries and stuff like that. yeah
1: yeah there's a canadian one uh, called murdoch mysteries it's like uh, 16 seasons of that shit it's on amazon prime okay love it 16 seasons canadian murder mysteries set turn of the century not this one of course the one before fucking gold um, but Obviously, you know, like other shit that's contemporary, like um, The Boys, of course, yeah. is Gold. Prey, I saw that. That was really fun. Made sure my kid is like, okay, watch Predator. We not see the first one. Now we're right. going to watch Prey. Um, of course, you got to go back to Danny. We've got to do Danny Glover still. Cool. Right. Um, I watched Top Gun, the sequel, the other night. Nice. Fucking in. Back to being at school again. Um, <laughs> It was great. All the tropes were right in the perfect place for me to feel. Oh my god, I felt it was coming, but I wanted it to be there. Um, All right. And it was fun. Um, I watched something which was just I hadn't seen it before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but um, a friend of mine's in it, and I can't say too much more. But there will be some news in relation, in some kind of adjacent. I watched Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. The Barry Jen- that fucked me up completely oh. that the that you um that you've seen it i see you nodding your head if you yeah that you know don't watch it for like oh, i'm just gonna chill out i want something back <laughs> every freaking pan, every panel every frame yeah. is a is a painting wow every performance is a masterpiece that shit is incredible barry jenkins is a beast hmm. um So that that is is incredible. Um, If you want to watch the best, my opinion, the best. Like British cop show, watch in the line of duty. Six seasons It's real as shit. It's brutal in the line of duty. And my favorite murder mystery currently is probably the first couple of seasons of Endeavor on Prime set in the 60s. Fucking great. I don't know, I can't even think of what else. Yeah.
0: I mean it's a good list, man. So people know things to check out. But man, I wanna say uh I appreciate you being on. Uh seeing you do all your stuff, like the the level of dedication you have and um integrity and the fact that we can have like realized conversations, you know, like all of that to me is constantly inspiring. I'm always it's happy nice. to see whatever success, like any success that comes your way, I'm like that dude deserves it. You know what, mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Man yeah so it's really it's really great
1: to be able to uh, sit and talk to you during this time Um, thank you i I appreciate it well you know you mentioned one thing earlier and of course you know me with the marketing i'll have to say it like how we made money a lot of it came through also understanding kickstarters and crowdfunding um so we started a patreon for folks that if they if they like or you know want to hear me talk more shit um, and learn and whatever and get exclusives we started patreon maybe four or five months ago and for five bucks a month you can join and have access to all our shirts you can read everything digitally for free you get 20 percent off the website so if you think you might spend more than 60 dollars a year on our website buying books you're already ahead of the game hmm. higher levels gives you actually exclusives we do if you're a collector we do very rare collectible comics that are exclusive to you so if you think we might end up having a tv show our collector shit will actually be worth a bit of dough it's, right. it's, so my, my goal is to kind of give value for people that come to our patreon to our patreon so it's really easy go to strangercomics.com you'll find us there you'll find go to patreon.com look up stranger comics but um so there's that check out the patreon be part of the stranger family and we really feel like we're a a, a, a movement of personalities and from all walks of life uh, you know uh, we celebrate culture and we use comic as our art form and how we do that so that's the patreon is dope as shit we have a discord now i learned what that word means started one <laughs> up fucking getting to the you know the modern day so there's that and then there's the last thing i'll leave you to is with this and, and you can find us at strangercomics.com com at stranger comics and all the socials and all that shit um uh, i do an instagram just, live i was just What's about to right? say the weekly instagram i was just about to say that. yes the weekly Instagram live is fantastic. Now you see this one I was holding up here. That this what we're gonna do with this one, we have a an, a foil exclusive this Thursday, because it was just my birthday, and it's gonna be my birthday exclusive on Thursday. Every Thursday, Instagram, six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern. I play music, read some poetry, sell some comics, talk a lot of shit. Um, and I have a British accent, so fucking show up, you know. All right. That's so that's that. that. One, one last thing though, bro, is this. Um, a dear friend of mine, dear, dear friend of mine, um, is the creator who we co-published, Brown Sugar Fairies.
0: Hmm.
1: Brown Sugar Fairies it is an absolutely beautiful read. If you've got kids, early learning to young readers, absolutely magical, magical book. Brett, go to brownsugarfairies.com. Now, um, the creator is one of my oldest, oldest friends of couple of decades or more she just got stage four cancer mm. i just set up we just set up with her daughter a gofundme page for her so you can go to gofundme and look up aisha sinclair gofundme um that's the thing that i'm most kind of supporting right now um, yeah so, so yeah that's 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 what's going on that stranger comments
0: right on i encourage everybody to check all that stuff out uh, especially the gofundme Thanks to our listeners. Please be sure to subscribe to How Art Is Born wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes. And if you can, leave a review. It really helps us out. Check out MCA Denver on YouTube and subscribe there too for behind-the-scenes clips from today's episode. Thank you all for listening.